if you just pick a substation, I'll pick Inslee substation. They're you know very close to uh, very close to all three of our districts. You know not not too far. They're on Hood Drive by Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, they are responding to multiple callouts per day of criminal complaints, which may or may not end up being that uh, in fact. But they're, the complaints are alleging criminal act based on the parking. You know this person is parking is blocking my driveway. I can't get my truck through because the road is being blocked. They're responding to multiple calls per day related to parking, not apartment parking, but newer neighborhood, newer subdivision parking issues. Um, it is eating up a, a tremendous amount of their resources as well. This is Commissioner Stephen Berry, District 5, north end of Escambia County, talking the other day about the Land Development Code proposal to change some of the parking requirements when you build both single-family and multifamily, uh, you know, and townhomes to increase, basically, the requirements for parking. And uh, we haven't gotten a chance to really talk about the proposal yet today on the show, but I did have the sheriff in here, and I thought I wanted to ask him, because that was the first time I had heard that, you know, parking enforcement or parking complaints or what Stephen Barry called criminal, I don't think they'd be criminal, but okay, um, he calls that, if that really is that big of a problem, I wanted to check in on the sheriff and see about that. Uh, sheriff, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News. Sheriff Chip Simmons from Scambia County. Sheriff, welcome back. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm great. So just, is that, I mean, he makes it sound like this is an all-the-time resource drain for y'all having to be called out on these parking complaints. Is that really that big of a deal for you guys? Is that common for you have to handle those kinds of things? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I say on a daily basis, we get a, on average, we get a couple of calls, okay. um, a few calls, I should say, probably throughout the county because we have a large area, um, and it's probably more concentrated on the areas where there's not adequate parking. Okay. You know, a lot of these newer subdivisions, you can. Uh, my son lives in one, and and you just don't have enough parking. You, you can't you can't have a guest at all without blocking someone else's parking lot. So, if the county commission is looking at adding. You know, and and I don't know all the rules. That's yep. why they have experts for that. But if the county commission is looking at adding a requirement for more parking per residence of some sort, I'm all for it because it, it does it does take up a lot of our time. Um, and I would say that it's accurate that we get daily calls about parking. And of course, he's and it's not going to get worse with that, right? And he's not even specific. I mean, they were talking about university, which is obviously that whole thing is is crazy. Um, but this is just in general across the county. I had not heard that, and that's why I was curious. I wanted to check with you since I had you coming in. Um, you guys have had a lot of incidents. So thank you for that. Uh, we've had a lot of incidents here in the last couple of days. Uh, I, for example, yesterday we had a um, big, I guess, manhunt on I ten. On the roadside, had a lot of vehicles. It was causing major traffic snafu yesterday. Yeah, we got a lot of calls whenever there's a large police presence, uh, yeah. whatever their, whatever the location is. Uh, this one happened to be at Burlington Coat Factory. We get a call that there was a potential kidnapping that took place at the, the coat factory up there. So uh, we, we were responding up there. By the time we got there, um, the vehicle had left. Um, but FHP made what they thought was an unrelated uh, traffic stop of a reckless driver on Interstate 110. Well, I say it's traffic stop. They tried oh, to make on a traffic 110, stop. Oh, on 110, not on 10. Okay. Well, uh, it was 110, uh, reckless driving, and then ended up um, um, crashing in the area, I guess, going over towards Santa Rosa County. Oh, so it did get up on it. Okay, yeah. I was right about that. All right, go ahead. Anyways, there was um, a guy crashed, and then he fled on foot into a wooded area. Um, we used our drone unit. Uh, I was hearing them directing the drone unit in, and we were able to guide uh, FWC to location uh, by boat to make an arrest because the guy went to a wooded area. Suspect was a Michael Nazario, and he had a VOP uh, for fleeing. Imagine that, right? Okay. So I ended up booking a violation of probation. Thank you. Yeah. So which means he was arrested prior for fleeing, um, and then he was booked in San Jose County, and we're doing a warrant for our battery charges. And so that's that was the situation of why we had such a big 
Okay. All right. Presence. Anytime you have something, especially a fleeing vehicle on the interstate, you yeah. know, FHP, us, sometimes PPD, sometimes, you know, Santa Rosa County. So it, it can be, it can look like a lot. So we had a uh, suspect. We had a lot of vehicles. We had drone unit. We had boat involved. We went, you know, FWC, FHP, ECSO. You had a lot of interagency cooperation. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of stuff uh, to be getting for that guy. We got to imagine. We, we thought it was a kidnapping. At yeah. First. It was reported as a kidnapping. So, um, when we have a, a a case that's that severe, then then you know we put that out to other other agencies, uh, much like they would in, in their jurisdiction. So everyone was already en route to that area, and then since they were already there, they helped us out. Um, something that had come or up. We helped them out actually. Last week, you and I talked a lot about the chase policy changes and mm-hmm. about how these uh, stolen cars are getting used in drive-bys, and so from your point of view preventing a stolen car from getting away is a way of thwarting the violence. It's a really a forced felony kind of prevention thing. And right. that's why you're doing more of the pits these days, the pit maneuvers than you did before. But somebody asked me the question, uh, okay, so I get that the sheriff's vehicles, you know, we repair those cause that's just part of the operational expense. What about the private individual who's got, got stolen and then gets damaged in the process? I, I mean, you caused the damage, but it's in law enforcement operations. Is it the thief who gets charged with that? Who pays for that? Is it just on the, the car owner's insurance? I mean, it's not cheap to repair even just a dent quarter panel, you know? So, right. Yeah, it's it's usually the insurance company uh, of the, the vehicle owner okay. that, that, that covers that. I and mean, we have a risk manager, and we work with them on many of these things. And But, but again— I don't think it's fair for taxpayers to to, to pay for that. Right. To pay for right. That I agree. So, I mean, you know, you know, we, we again the, the 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 other side of it is we let this this bad guy go, and the damage they do to society is much more greater than what that. Cost it, it was literally just I didn't know the answer. Somebody asked me, and I thought I'd right. you know see how that because I didn't know the answer at all. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, if if you said the bad guy pay for it, now there's restitution, and, sure, and I would hope that they them, keep going yeah. for that. But but hopefully they're going to be in jail, you know, for for a while, and and they may not be able to pay it. So I here's again. If someone steals my car, crash it. Do what you need to do. Uh, d- don't, don't, don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. want it back. You better total it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a friend who had his car stolen recently, and they, they, they dropped it off and didn't do anything. Uh, we, we think because they eventually decided that they thought maybe it was a cop's car. You know, because it had like you know, we support cops kind of right, stuff. right, yeah. And they, uh, they stole it. Didn't think of it ahead of time. Stole it, and then anyway. Distant, and uh, yeah. you know, I was like. How much do you want that car back? <laughs> you know, but they, you know, it's expensive. Anyway, we also had a couple of shootings. Uh, one on Moore Avenue in Myrtle Grove, pretty serious one, right? Yeah, we had um, reports that two people were fighting near a car, and then we had a report, obviously, that shots were fired. And when we get there, one male is deceased, another had a, uh, a, a gunshot wound. He's expected to survive. Um, we're talking to everyone that's involved, obviously, talking to the one um, surviving victim. And we're still we're still trying to piece this together. We're working with the the um, medical examiner to get information on the um, you know the cause of death. Obviously, we know, but what we want to see if we can get maybe projectile from the the body mm-hmm. of the victim. Um, and then we do have some witnesses we've we've spoken to, but we ask if anyone has information to let us know because we're getting some conflicting statements on what took place. But uh, what we understand is that the individuals had a longstanding, uh, we'll call it disagreement, um, over a girl. And, and that never that's ever happens. That's, that typically is what what starts this thing. And there was some gunshots. So we're we're still trying to piece that one together. And then as we were piecing that one together, we get a call last night on Moore Avenue. Uh, there's a shooting. We go inside the, a house and end up finding an individual that's dead from a gunshot wound. We have, if if you're um, listening, we have on our Facebook page. Um, a couple pictures of two people that we think are persons of interest. Uh, we really want to talk to them. As you can uh, you can see, someone in the community knows who these people are, right. and, and we're asking people to let us know 
you know who they are. We don't know everyone not yet. The um uh the other thing that's come up recently, and I just I wanted to ask you about it because until maybe two weeks ago I'd never heard of these TrueNarc devices. Right. And now all of a sudden, you know, Sheriff Johnson says they've got a couple and they're wanting to order more. Um, I was listening to um, a guy who was representing the opioid abatement board talk with the Pensacola City Council about this. And he said that you all are ordering some like he said, 14 of them for four hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Now, Sheriff Johnson had said they're more like eight grand a piece. That works out to be, you know, significantly more expensive. Um, But you're looking to get these. You've got them already. What's the status? Yeah, no, we went, I went before the, um, the board, this opioid mm-hmm. board that the, I guess the county commission uh, put in place. And I, I told them that I w- had a need for, I wanted 14 of these narcotics analyzers. It's so that, again, for your listeners, so that our, our deputies don't have to actually handle fentanyl because you've seen some stories and some, seen some news, um, I guess, news breaks about uh, deputies that, that were overcome by the fentanyl them, themselves. So, I didn't want my deputies to have to handle that uh, with them, themselves and their canines to have to sniff that. Right. Um, so these analyzers uh, can analyze, I don't know, hundreds of different drugs without you having to touch it. So that's what uh, I went before the board and asked for to, to purchase 14 of these things for 400 and some odd thousand dollars. We've purchased them. They're in. We're, we're getting trained uh, on how to use them now. Uh, the way this grants work is we buy them and then we get reimbursed by the, okay. the, the settlement, opioid settlement. And so, yeah, we're, we were kind of ahead of the game. Uh, we, I, as soon as I heard about it um, at one of our conferences that we went to, I went back here and immediately set the, the, to request it. So I'm, Okay, I'm so you requested them months ago. Months I mean, ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, we've already a, ordered them, got them in, and we're waiting on training. It must be a brand new product. I mean, to, to suddenly show up and so it's it's a relatively new on the on uh, available technology, I guess. Yeah, that, that's my understanding. Okay. It's, it's 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 a very new thing. I mean, it's it seems amazing to me that you can just wave a device over and it'll tell you it's fentanyl, that's cocaine, that's cocaine and fentanyl, that's cocaine, powdered sugar, fentanyl and flour. I mean, you know, whatever. That's, that's why they're um, so expensive. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's uh, at least in the initial the initial initial purchase. The um the last thing is I just wanted to give you a chance to talk because I know um with the shooting in Lakeland um. You know, in Houston, Texas, at the at Lake Lind or Lake Wood, all of a sudden I can't remember Joel Osteen's church. Anyway, uh, Lake Wood, sorry. That um, you know, we talked to Sheriff Johnson about this yesterday, but I just want to make sure that people know um, churches have been a target, you know, of various incidents. In churches, schools, and big box stores seem to be the like the three big ones. Um, but you guys do all kinds of things to help churches become safer, right? And you got you'll anybody who wants help making their church secure, you'll help them with it, right? We have a we have an entire program based upon. And we call it safety in a place of worship. So yeah, mm-hmm. we go we go to a church if they would like, and the, or we also would host them at either our agency. So we have we have done both of them. A lot of times, if we host their security teams, we'll, we'll say hey, we're putting on one of these seminars at our agency. So we'd have representatives from a number of different churches. But sometimes there's a church that's that's rather big, and they really want kind of an assessment. And so we'll do our best to go out there. Well, we will go out there. We'll do our best to tell them what we think the best practices are and what we would suggest based upon our the training and experience that we have, but also based upon, um, you know, what we glean from other churches and what they're doing. And, and I assume you tell me if I'm wrong, but I assume that businesses, um, you know, organizations, I mean, anybody that's got people in one place could probably use to think a little bit about security and you're glad to help them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that you certainly should, should consider security if you're going to host an event um, or if you're going to have you know large crowds at, at different locations, we we do that a lot with the school districts from football games and that sort of thing. Right. We do it at the fair, uh, we do it at the Blue Angels. We, we we do we coordinate a lot of these the security measures for a lot of these large events. And 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 again, some of these churches are, as you said, a target. 
Um, and we've worked with some of the Jewish synagogues over the last couple of, couple of months as well. And looking for a church particularly, the impulse is strangers are opportunities. We like people. We want to be open. We want to be welcoming. We certainly don't want to, you know, I mean, yeah. all the things that work in a church's advantage and interest in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and their mission, you know, this is stuff you don't necessarily think much about. And so thinking about it is kind of a helpful thing. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, not getting into specific security, obviously, for each individual church, but they've come a long way yeah. over the last couple of years yeah. of where where churches were, where it really wasn't even a thought. I mean, I was... Um, I, I remember when you could drop a, drop a kid off at the nursery, and that's just, you, yeah. here you go, Yeah, <laughs> back and, and, in the and, day. Hey, yeah. so it's almost like I can pick up little Johnny, too. Okay, right, take exactly, him. sure. You can't, you know. you can't, and, and for good reason, and I understand right, why, right. why now. But I can tell you that, you know, going a lifelong church going... Um, individual that in the past that even though I was law enforcement, uh, we never really gave much thought to security. We didn't think that someone would come in here and, and, right, and destroy right. the church. Um, but now that, now, now that, you know, unfortunately these, these events have taken place, a lot of the, the leadership in churches are, are taking that, that very serious. And I think it's a good thing. Rightly. So Sheriff Bob, Sheriff Chip Simmons, just talking to Sheriff yesterday. Uh, Sheriff Chip Simmons, the Scamby <laughs> County Sheriff, sir, as always, thank you for the time. Thanks for keeping us safe. I appreciate it. You bet. Y'all take care.